how you use them. T-minus three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. Greetings, welcome to the BizHawk Podcast. We had a lot going on today, and I am back with Kellyanne, the Swiss Army Knife, pulling charts, talking to us. She's got a couple of things on her mind there, which she looked at a couple of stories today. She said, wait, something doesn't seem right about one of those. And guess what? It wasn't. Here's what we got today. We have a few stats we're going to talk about. IRS audits are up, but for who? And what does that mean for you, the small business owner? And then proof, mass mandates actually cause fights among the citizens. They don't calm and make us all comfortable because we're less susceptible to get some dreaded disease that starts with a C. And it's not cholera. Uh, then there's <laughs> Messi the goat. He's the goat in more ways than one. And we have a BizDoc case study today. Spotify and everything you saw in the headlines, all of this calamity going on with their podcast business, I'm going to tell you that there's more to the story, and maybe Spotify is not as guilty or as inept as they look. But first, let's roll up. What do we got first, Kellyanne? We got the IRS audits, right? Yep, we, we got do. a chart here. Very, very interesting stuff. So let's look at this. So this is a chart showing the IRS audits of those earning more than a million dollars. And what's interesting, you can see they've been going down. Now, it popped up a little bit in 2015, uh, 2016. I think there was an election in 16, wasn't there? There was. There was something happened there, yeah. I think Trump was elected. And you can see the IRS you know, audits um, of those earning more than a million went down. But then, check this out. Of the total tax returns um, in 2021 that showed people more than a million was 615,000. Only 13,000 of those were audited, and those were all the people earning more than a million. So 617,000 earned more than a million, and that little tiny purple blip at the end is the 13,725. So all this stuff about we need to do more to audit the, uh, you know, the wealthy, and we're going to not let them go through loopholes. Look, I'm not eager for more people to be audited, and I'm not begging for an audit myself. But this flies exactly in the face as to what our government, you and me, has been telling us about audits. And it's, it's baloney. You know, the number of audits on millionaires that may have more taxable income and therefore more to regain if they happen to be behaving badly, it's just not happening. It's just, um, it, it just seems, it seems like they're really not getting it there. They're definitely not. Literally in April, which is only a couple months ago, AP Images reported about how the IRS was promising uh, more, more audits for the wealthy. And that's clearly not happening from the chart that you showed. Well, there it's you go. It's not fair. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah we got, we'll get to 1% of them or something like that. And yet they talk <laughs> about these millions and millions of dollars that are in loopholes that are not legal loopholes. They're taking loopholes. They're doing these things. They're stretching loopholes. They're supposed to be able to put your hand through, and it's making a tunnel, and they're hiding entire businesses and all this crap. But um, it just goes to show that um, also, remember Kellyanne that our government was talking about? We were going to have all these extra IRS agents, and it's like, great. We're funding another police force. But now we're coming back, and um, if the next president is conservative or even moderate-leaning right, you know, at least they're saying that, no, maybe we're, we're going to pull off all those agents that were uh, basically going after small businessmen, basically going after the little guy. You're right. really what it, what it amounts to, which is really sucks. 
Um, second, speaking of your government making proclamations that don't turn out to be exactly correct, um, masks mandates appear to be in the news, like a lightweight discussion. But I'm feeling large, shadowy middle fingers showing up from 300 million Americans as they watch their TV. Um, they're not having it, especially what we're finding out about the ineffectiveness of masks. You're wearing a mask, but the virus could actually touch your skin and or you could touch a doorknob where the virus was just there seconds ago from the other person. And now it's actually on your hand and that the, the mask really had a negligible effect at best on transmission. OK, well, something else. Remember when the airlines, Kellyanne, you remember when the airline said, you have a mask. And you will only take it down to drink. <laughs> How could right? I forget? They yelled or at me eat. every two seconds. Or they yelled at you, and it sounded like all flight attendants were suddenly German. And <laughs> with all due respect to our German friends, but what I'm talking about, it feels like a German cop. And by the way, if you're pulled over for a speeding ticket and it's a German cop, just give them your license registration and cooperate. Because it makes no sense to try to ar argue with a very rigid, structured German cop. Well, it almost felt like all flight attendants were speaking German. You will leave your mask up, and you will not move from your seat and, and everything. Well, guess what? We now have the evidence in the chart. Pull this chart up. The chart proves that all those mandates resulted in people getting pissed off. How pissed off? Look at this. This information was not out there in 2022. Now it's been dug up, and it's there. Take a look at this. So the FAA in January 2021 introduces zero tolerance policy. You will walk on with a mask. You will keep a mask unless you are sipping your drink or eating something, which is ridiculous. So when you start sipping a drink or eating something, you happen to cough a little bit, you're coughing stuff over everybody, and the masks aren't effective anyway. But look at this. Look what happened. Unruly airline passenger incidents. It pissed us off, America. Look at that, from around 100 to 700, 7x increase in unruly passenger incidents because it's basically we were pissed off and we had no patience. Now, that doesn't mean you can push a flight attendant. That doesn't mean you can push a fellow passenger or take a swing at them. But when the government is responsible for lighting the fuse on the red-hot emotions of Americans, many of us that were doubting what we were being told mass in the first place, you know, boom, that's what you get. You get passengers going nuts. And then it comes back down as we get sane and the pandemic starts waning because a lot of herd mentality. And now we find out it's less having to do with the uh, uh, vaccines, which may or may not have ever been effective at all. And here we are. Well, they're starting to talk about masks very quietly. And Kellyanne dug something up. Check this out. USA this Today. This just in. This just in. USA Today reports of unruly passengers are actually on the rise. It's become more acceptable in the last five to seven years for people to behave angrily and belligerently. So, so it's acceptable and expected. And, you know, we were triggered by our own government. But I think this is really interesting. And I think it goes to show that basically, I think what they need to do. When you get on the airplane and they take off, I think it should be mandatory for everyone to have one drink. One drink. Everybody has a beer. Everybody has one drink. And just chill a little bit. 
and see if we can get back to this collaborative America where we would talk to the person next to us and say, hello, where are you going? You going home, going for business? I remember those days and it's starting to come back. But I, I think we all need to work a little harder on this and don't let our government be the source of triggering that causes us to go off on each other. And see if you can talk people off the ledge who are trying to be the cop in their own right. Oh, don't touch me, don't sit next to me. You know, put a mask on, uh-uh-uh-uh, we're not having that. But let's see if we can turn down it and be a little more, a little more civil. I'm voting I, for BizDuck. There we go, I'm hoping. <laughs> so, now, speaking of it, you do not want to be the goat of, in your family, of airline unruliness and get thrown off a plane. You know, and say, you know, I had the greatest incident of anybody in my, in my uh, family, yay me. Well, <laughs> the goat that we're all hearing about has been Lionel Messi. And we've seen what's happened. It's been phenomenal what he's been doing. It has been a, just a testimony to his greatness and his goatness. We all called him the goat at the World Cup. Argentina finally wins the World Cup. He hoists the World Cup. Meanwhile, Ronaldo was running across the field and talking about a big contract in Saudi Arabia. And, you know, he's a phenomenal player in his own right, but he really kind of put a little dullness on his uh, reputation. And so we got the GOAT. But check this out about the GOAT since coming to Miami. There's a bunch of stats here. Some of you may have heard about. But take a look at what has been happening with Inter-Miami's Instagram, where they're now communicating with their fans. Look at that. It just went berserk. And now they're 14 million fans. And I remember that the, the day it happened, they said, oh, Inter-Miami has jumped up to like 8 million fans. Well, now they're at 14. The other part of this is the Apple MLS season pass. We all heard that Messi actually gets a part of the MLS senior season pass, which is kind of cool. And so if, if there's an incremental jump in those, he's going to get a piece of that. This is the interesting part of his contract, just like I did a case study not too long ago and talked about the interesting part of David Beckham's original contract with the LA Galaxy going back, I guess, almost 15 years ago that resulted in him having the opportunity to get in on the expansion team that would become Inter-Miami for $25 million. And then he was lobbying back Messi to come to Inter-Miami. So Beckham had that clause in his contract that that gave him the opportunity with the expansion team. Now Messi has a clause in his contract for okay. Apple MLS season pass signups for Apple TV. And so he gets a little bit of the upside. Well, check this out. When they announced his debut, 110,000 in one day. You see the rest of this chart, those little things at the bottom that just look like speed bumps? And there's this just huge building in the middle of this. And then just days later, in his second game, he's scoring goals. Remember, he walked on in his first goal, first game, and he, um, he scored up top corner of the net off the set piece, off the free kick. Oh, my goodness. And then his second game, I think he scored two goals. And look how many they had there, 60,000. That's 160,000 subscribers to Apple TV to get MLS season pass signups. That's phenomenal. And you look at that came. So he's been the goat of online and OTT, because this isn't cable, folks. This is OTT through Apple TV. So this is not cable signups. You got to go to Apple TV. Nobody's picketing the cable company. They're paying Apple because they want to see Messi. And he's raised the, um, 
the bar again for not raise the bar. He's raised the awareness and raised the bar for subscribers for MLS. And I think this is tremendous. So this is Messi's contract that pays him for this. But just the presence of a goat becoming a face of a league like this, as Beckham did 15 years ago, and he won those championships. I think he won two championships in five years, I think, with the LA Galaxy. Now you've got Messi, and they've won an interleague cup his first three weeks on the job. They won that. And now you look what they're doing. And so that is that is the goat. I mean, and that's also... It just shows you when you bring an established talent into the fold with a proven background, you can make things go. As opposed to you're trying to sell T-shirts. You know what I like to say, BizDoc always like to say, whether you're running a T-shirt company in Berlin or a technology company in Silicon Valley, blah, blah. So let's say you're running a T-shirt company in Berlin and you're looking for a spokesperson. And you're looking at these influencers with 100,000. You know, and it's unproven. Can they move stuff? Will they move stuff? This is MLS going up to the top to prove it'll happen. And there's something that happened with Spotify that I'm going to talk about in about one minute in the case study on how you can't just take famous people that are unproven and don't have an audience and plug them in and think it's going to work. I'll give you a great example. Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible franchise has been bulletproof. And Top Gun Maverick, phenomenal. But once upon a time, Tom Cruise did a movie called Vanilla Sky. And it stunk like an old pair of sneakers. <laughs> it was terrible. But that was Tom Cruise. So that's the bet you're making when you take even a famous person like Tom Cruise with a fresh product, Vanilla Sky. Now, this is how the hit-driven media game works. But in other areas, you can put yourself in a position to succeed. MLS, no one's going to get tired of that. It's not like you're going to get tired of, you know, House of, you know, what was the Kevin Spacey? Uh, House of Cards. House of Cards. He was the president. After so many years, you got tired of it. Even Breaking Bad, which I loved, at the very end, very, very sad, he says, you know, Walt says goodbye to the baby. Spoiler shoot, alert! Shoots up Uncle Jack and <laughs> all that. But there was also only so far they could stretch that series till they ran out of storyline and they needed to wrap it up. Sports is not like that. You can just run with it and keep adding to it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what's happened to Spotify. So I'm going to go for the Spotify case study now and talk about what happened with podcasts and these exact facts. So let's go over to Studio B and find my board. Okay, I found my board, and here we are. All right, let's talk about Spotify. So Spotify, we know who they are. I'm going to breeze through a little bit about their CEO, a little bit about their history, and then we're going to dive into what you're seeing in the headlines right now, which has certainly not been good news, but I think underneath there's a silver lining and a lesson for all of us. First of all, Spotify was founded by this nice man, Daniel Ek, as a music uh, subscription and a uh, aggregation service. You could get to all the music. We all know what that's about. You can set your playlist. You can pay for premium to get rid of ads, all of that stuff. So we go to a chapter where they suddenly believed that celebrity podcasts were going to be the savior of the city because they were competing in music against Pandora, SoundCloud, and of course, Lord God King, Apple Music. And by the way, 
Amazon was in there as well. So it's kind of a red ocean fighting for subscribers and family plans and everything on music. And then they say, well, we're going to make celebrity podcasts to be our differentiator and our savior. How did they get there? Well, they were founded in 2006, as I pointed out. By 2010, they were in the UK with a freemium product in the UK. 2011, that would come to the United States. And then by 2018, they had an IPO. Now in the middle in here, you could go back and look at the long drawn out history and there was a war with Apple and a bunch of other things that happened and wars with the price of music and wars with musicians. I'm getting you to the point where they went public and they took that money and said, Celebrity Podcasts will be our savior. So 2019, they bought Gimlet and Anchor, which were enabling technologies for podcasts to provide services to people that would bring their podcasts to Spotify. As a matter of fact, I think that uh, Valuetainment uses Anchor services for syndication to show you the strength of those features. Big podcasts like uh, PBD podcasts are using it. So they bought that. That's a lot of money, 340 million dollars then they bought megaphone for 235 by the way that's a half a billion dollars of purchases in there right after they did the ipo so ipo sometimes gives you what we call a war chest of money to go buy things and do things so they buy megaphone then they bought all this they went out and went on the shopping spree for mostly unproven talent now here's the first two i want to show you bill simmons the ringer and Joe Rogan were certainly proven. They had subscribers. Uh, Simmons was a writer, had Grantland, was on ESPN. People were following him, so he had an audience to bring over. Joe Rogan, hell yes, he had an audience to bring over. Everybody else was just a celebrity, just like Tom Cruise in the movie Vanilla Sky. Now we're betting that this celebrity in this new item, event, publication, podcast, movie, whatever it is, is going to make it because they're not bringing a built-in audience that's watching them right now the way Simmons and Rogan had. Well, so they go out and get the Kim Kardashian. They go get the Obamas. Michelle and Barack were doing a podcast, and then Barack was doing on there with uh, Bruce Springsteen. The problem was it was boring. It was like Bruce Springsteen and gone to elevator music. It wasn't exciting, you know, terrible. And then they had Prince Harry and Meghan and all their drama. Oh my gosh, it'll be a magnet. Everybody will want to tune in and listen. And then Meghan was all fussy about her producer and you should hear the way that she put it together. They would interview people and then she would dub over questions later. It was embarrassing. It had no life to it. So guess what? No audience, celebrities, some of them being fussy and that's where you end up. The next thing is <clears throat> Caller Daddy. So they went out and got Caller Daddy. Proven audience. That was a young person, two people, the two women that had built Caller Daddy while they were at Barstool Sports. <clears throat> they broke apart their team. One woman continued with it. And then she went to Spotify. That, like Rogan, like Bill Simmons, was proven. But as you can see, there's an awful lot of money spent on stuff that wasn't proven and a ton of money spent on infrastructure to go offer podcasts to everybody, which is only going to work if you're making money. So they were thinking this is going to bring permanent subscriptions and that's why they did it. So now let's go take a look at this. I want to step back and dive in. This is the millions of premium subscribers for Spotify music. And the green box is after they went public right here in 2018. So they were 18 million in 15, 
30 million in 16, 52 million in 17. Look at that growth. And then they went public. So if you're just looking at this part of the chart, that's pretty good growth. And that was a story they were telling to go public. Then 100, 130, 158, 182, oh my gosh, 229. Look at that. And now that's this year. So in other words, they're not hurting for premium subscribers on music. And those people are watching ads or they are paying, like I do for Spotify family, along with limits for my younger daughter so she can only listen to certain music. It's a great product. I'm not pimping it. And some of you have Apple Music or Apple Family. All I'm saying is it's a good product and it wasn't looking for more, but they wanted to be beyond music. And they thought that the celebrity podcast and being a podcast syndicator uh, platform was their path to it. So let's keep this in mind as we go forward. Now, and then this happened. Whammo, this week, and this is why I'm doing the case study, because everybody's saying, what the hell happened this week? So the Wall Street Journal and all the other business news is erupting. Spotify saying the $1 billion podcast bet. Remember the half million they paid for those um, technology providers and then all the money they paid for all those uh, talent I'm talking about, some of which were proven, like Joe Rogan and Bill Simmons and Caller Call Daddy, some of them completely unproven, had no audience. We just hoped that the celebrity of the Obamas and Kardashian and Harry and Meghan were going to somehow bring us an audience and they create stickiness for Spotify. Guess not. They spent a billion dollars there's, there's three suspects right there that just poured money down the drain and didn't get there. So now they're saying, we're going to back off. We're canceling a bunch of the unproven, still love Joe, still love Caller Daddy, still love Bill Simmons. But the rest of these people that didn't bring an audience, nor did they build an audience, goodbye. And we're also going to lay off some people and trim this thing down. So that was part one. So now let's talk a little bit about it. Big names sometimes have low impact. And so this is a graphic that I trimmed uh, from the Daily Mail. This is the Daily Mail headline today. So the copyright for these photos and everything here, this is an image of the Daily Mail. And they talk about, here's the stock price of Spotify that I'm gonna take you through. So this purple right here was when they signed the Obamas. This is the stock price af after the Obamas launched. So as you can see, things were happening there. Maybe a success. Well, then they go Kim Kardashian, they sign her here, and they launch her here, and it's down. And archetypes, and this is Harry and Meghan. They sign them here, they launch them here. So guess what? It, what it shows is there were other things going on, and these people didn't really drive the value that you thought. Maybe the Obamas did a little bit. So what's, what's going on? What's the lesson here? So let's take a look at this. So you start, remember I showed you that chart with those music subscribers? Look at this. Music takes you up to this valuation right there, 2021. But then all of a sudden you get these podcast losses taking you down. But you see it growing back? It's growing back because they're telling the market, we're going to lay people off. We're going to trim things down. Uh, the bet we made on podcasts didn't work. Look, think of it as them making a brand new car. A new car model is made by some car company, and it turns out to be a dog, and they can't sell it. And so they have to write it off. That's what's happening to Spotify right here. But what they're doing is they're not waiting five years to do it. They're doing it right now. Get the hell out of town with it. Now then, but let's look at this. Do you see here? $147, April 6, 2018, when they went public. 
Where they are today, 160. And I actually, today as we film this, at the beginning of September 2023, they're in the mid-150s, like 155. That was this morning, 155 today. So that means they are basically back where they started from about five years ago, five and a half years ago when they went public. And they drove it up with music, they lost a bunch on podcasts, invested a billion dollars, but now it's coming up a bit. Why? Because the market loves the fact that they're saying, my bad, I'm going to lay off some people, I'm going to get rid of that expensive podcast talent, but I'm playing my bet on Joe, on Grantland, uh, Bill Simmons, excuse me, The Ringer, and others, and we're going forward with that. That is a positive message to the markets. I have sinned, forgive me, this is what I'm doing, please keep investing, part one. So where have we seen this before? How can we prove that this is maybe correct? Well, let's go here. The NFL kicks and direct TV scores, right? NFL Sunday ticket came out back here. This is 1996, the dawn of direct TV. Remember the little satellite dish? If you're watching from England, you called it Astra. If you're watching from uh, Germany, it was called Copernicus. And that was how people had small dish satellites that was in their garden or on the edge of your house and was watching. One of the big draws was NFL Sunday ticket was with direct TV. At a time, about 25% of the subscribers on DirecTV would get, also subscribe to Sunday Ticket because it was a premium, like HBO, Cinemax, Showtime. It was a premium. All the regional sports nets put together. Premium, above your base price. Well, take a look at this growth. From 2.5 million in 1996, all the way up 10 years later to 16 million. That's a lot for a cable satellite operator. And then up to here, when they were bought by AT&T right here in 2015. They came all the way up and they kind of stalled, 19.2, 19.5, 19.9, 20, 23. So they stalled at that 20 million line. You see that? Just kind of stalled. But this growth was driven by NFL Sunday ticket, among other things. But 25% of the subscribers were taking it. So what that was saying, if I want my football, I'm getting DirecTV. And I'm not going to get tired of football. Every year is a new season. Every year is a new storyline for my favorite team or a bad storyline because I follow Raider Nation a lot. So sometimes it's not Raider Nation, baby. It's Raider Nation, please. Well, I would have to have Sunday tickets so I could watch Raider Nation all weeks of the year. So I did a case study on this, and there's a deeper dive that's going to be down in the comments so you can see it. But my point is Spotify is thinking that those big names would get them subscribers. This is an example of where DirecTV thought the big name of the NFL would get them subscribers, and they were right. The NFL kicks and DirecTV scores. Drove growth up to a certain point, and then out over here, they were at a point where the NFL became so expensive. A billion dollars a year is what they wanted from DirecTV. And DirecTV said, I need four and a half to five million subscribers a year to make it work. Suddenly, that was almost 25%. They had to get 25% just to break even on it. But they were no longer growing because other things were happening here like, oh, Netflix was online. OTT was happening over the top. And now we have Hulu. I don't know people that have cable. I know people that pay the old cable company for um, fast um, internet to their house, but I don't know people that have cable. They have YouTube TV, they have Hulu, and then other packages they add to it, like Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Netflix. There you have it, OTT is here. Now, look at the historical stock price. 
DirecTV drove that price up to here to when it became AT&T DirecTV and they were bought by the Death Star. So now you can see it actually worked for them. You compare that to what's going, what happened with Spotify, they never really got traction out of it. But it worked for DirecTV in the early days. The back end was messy breakup and they eventually stopped renewing Sunday ticket. Now nobody gets, nobody puts up satellite dishes so it's just a, a dead product and a, and a, you know, a relic from history in terms of cable satellite, but you see the point. So now, Apple Plus, messy kicks and Apple scores. Take a look at this, there you go. Look at the single biggest sale. And by the way, I'm using here, this is the catalog page for M MLS Season Pass from Apple TV. And you can see who they're prominently putting there, it's all pink. It's like a commercial for Messi and Inner Miami. And it should be because that's, that's the juicy tomato in the middle of this salad. You can watch all this and look at this. Take a look at the single day sales, what it was, and then what it was on that one day, and then two days later when Messi's in his second game. This is called a success. So Apple is like, hey, we'll give a percent of the upside to Messi because him coming down to Inner Miami, man, that's going to be great for MLS. It's going to be great for Apple. And we made an investment with um, MLS as a league to put it on here to season pass. Everybody wins. A proven commodity. Now, why does sports work so well? Because it's always a new story and it's always a new season and you never get tired of it and you never run out of storylines like House of Cards or Breaking Bad or anything else you may watch. It just doesn't happen. So let's get to the lessons. What were the lessons out of this? The first is A-list celebrities rarely generate A-list franchises from scratch. Viewership must be assimilated. Fans must be one. That franchise, Caller Daddy, was built from nothing. Bill Simmons was a writer who wrote a book on the NBA, had a site called Grantland, and built up an audience for him. That's when he was bought by Spotify to go over on board. Not as, hey, Bill Simmons, a great writer with no, with no real audience. Let's just bring him over and build an audience. Nope, it doesn't work that way. And Spotify found out the hard way with Meghan, Prince Harry, Kardashian. People watch Kardashian, but she wasn't bringing up an audience, a recurring audience to like a podcast or a subscription-based product. And of course, the Obamas. So that really works. But established A-list franchises do work when they bring audience. Limbaugh, Stern, Rogan, they didn't start out as A-list. They built the audience, and then in free agency, they were brought to the platform. And then it does help the platform for stickiness, subscribership, and all that goes with it. Then, number three, as I said, sports leagues almost always worked. It worked for DirecTV and NFL Sunday Ticket, and now it's working for Apple TV and MLS Season Pass. They have entrenched viewerships, and fans want tomorrow's game. They don't need to know the storyline of tomorrow's game. It's tomorrow's game with today's player and today's opportunity and today's season. And it's always changing and new. And you don't have to script it. You put it on the field and you let everybody go play. And so that is the lessons learned here. This is lessons for us. So if you're thinking about social media influencers and you're thinking about marketing and you're thinking about taking risks and you're part of a mid to large company or even it's your own small company and you're just trying to get more you know, sales from Instagram influencers, sample them with your products, sample them. 
let them undo an unbox with your product. But for the love of God, don't put a bunch of money on the table with something unproven and think that it's going to be your jack in the beanstalk, magic beans that grow to the clouds for sales and marketing for your company, because it doesn't work that way. As I said, there's another case study you can go look at, the original NFL Sunday ticket. And I'm deliberately wearing the same F1 shirt. And for those of you asking, these are F1 shirts that I get at the end of the season uh, from uh, People that are on the teams, these are all authentic shirts that the team is wear, and I have a huge collection of 50 of them. So, so those of you asking, what's with all the logos on this guy? These are authentic, classic F1 shirts. And those of you that know F1, thank you for your kind words and your support. This was a Team Lotus. Go back and listen to Kimi Raikkonen's radio messages from that team. And uh, for, for a kick, you don't even have to love Formula One to go to en enjoy the sarcasm coming out of a car running 200 miles an hour. Anyway, that is the story on Spotify. I hope you like it. Let me go back to the main studio and wrap up. All right, all right, all right. I hope you enjoyed that case study on Spotify as much as I enjoy pulling it together so I could share it with you and you can see if there's something you might be able to use. In the comments down below, there's a link also to the DirecTV NFL Sunday ticket case study that I mentioned that I did once upon a time, which is a full or deep dive into the story of NFL Sunday ticket and the partnership with DirecTV that at the end of the day went bad. Until next time, I am Tom Ellsworth, the BizDoc, and if you like these, you also might like this episode or one of these case studies, and I hope you check it out. Until next time, I'm Tom Ellsworth, the BizDoc, and I hope I left you better than I found you.